If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Holy One, we come to you grieving again, yet again, another shooting, another mass murder, another hate crime, another moment for wondering if we can stop this downward spiral or survive the hater-in-chief. At worship they were, our Jewish sisters and brothers, at a baby-naming ceremony, speaking words Jesus would have understood Baruch, Adonai, Elohim, trying to do the good deed, the, the mitzvah, bowing their heads and on the Sabbath to be shaped by the mystery that's faith as commanded, Shamor et Yom HaShabbat il Kashow, observe the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Presuming, of course, that it's safe to do so in a sanctuary. We cannot bear this, Holy One, and yet we know our scriptures, and so we know that none of it is happening in a vacuum. The air is full of rage. And on such a day of tragedy, the last thing we need is another rally to fire up the base. Instead of loving our neighbor, we fear him. Instead of welcoming her, we send troops to stop her and her babies at the border or as yet unidentified Middle Easterners. Let us confess it again, Lord. We stole the land that we now insist shall not be stolen from us. Maybe some Bible 101 would be helpful. By your fruits you shall know them. From the idols we have made, I will not protect you. From the choices I've given you between life and death, I will not choose life for you. You have to choose it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the hate mongers. You said, in Christ, the Jewish reformer, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, no longer slave nor free. There is no longer male nor female for all of you, as in all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Did we not get this memo? Do we need to send it out again? Yes, and again, and again, and again, until we do more than just read it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and a second is like it. You shall, 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And the rabbi said, Amen and Amen. The scripture lesson comes from Mark's gospel, the first gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 46 to 52, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out, he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Here ends this reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. As Monica said earlier, I am very glad to be in church after the week this country has had. I am glad to be in this church that is unapologetically liberal, which is to say a church that practices a generous theology is open and affirming and committed to peace and justice. I am glad to be here knowing that our tradition offers us a story by which to frame the challenges of our time. So let's continue. Son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe, maybe it was this turn of phrase that caught Jesus' attention. Son of David. Only a few had called him anything like that, a demon and a disciple, to be exact. Rather remarkable that he would use this particular phrase. And then there was the matter of how this beggar knew it was Jesus in the first place. Bartimaeus was blind, after all. Maybe it was simply that Jesus' reputation preceded him. So perhaps it is not so remarkable that even a blind man would recognize him. Whatever the case, no one seems impressed. In fact, they try to silence Bartimaeus, but he wasn't having it, crying out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Whether it was that particular phrase or Bartimaeus' persistence, Jesus stops. He calls for Bartimaeus, and suddenly the tone of everyone else changes. Oh, oh, come on then, hurry up, make way, people. Bartimaeus does not have to be told twice. The verbs are strong. Bartimaeus cries out and springs up. Then Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And honestly, I can't believe Bartimaeus didn't say, a real Sherlock, are we? I mean, what did Jesus think he was going to ask for? To be fair, Jesus might have thought it was just another panhandler asking for spare change. 
There are a couple of other options, though. Maybe Bartimaeus had heard Jesus teaching, give your coat and your cloak. And so he was gunning for some newer, used outerwear. Might, maybe he score a North Face jacket from a few seasons ago. Or maybe Bartimaeus knew more than he let on about what would happen when Jesus actually made it to Jerusalem. Jesus wouldn't be needing that jacket too much longer if what they said about this community organizer was true. But Bartimaeus knew what he wanted. Sight. Rabbi, I want my sight. And Jesus delivers, although the text gives us few details about it. Quite frankly, Bartimaeus is lucky. Some of Jesus' other healings involve Jesus grabbing a fist of dirt and hawking a loogie. <clears throat> Not this time. No touching required. Go, Jesus says. Your faith has made you well. And just like that, it was done. Immediately, he regained his sight. In Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, Annie Dillard writes about a collection of stories by Marius von Sinden detailing the experiences of the first people to have cataract surgery, which gave them sight after a lifetime of blindness. The experiences of the newly sighted are fascinating, and they remind those of us who have always been able to see what we have been missing. To one patient, a human hand unrecognized is something bright, and then holes. Shown a bunch of grapes, a boy called out, it's dark, blue, and shiny. It isn't smooth, it has bumps and hollows. A little girl who visited a garden, her experience was of astonishment, and she could hardly be able to be persuaded to answer about what she saw standing speechless in front of a tree she could name it only after grasping it, and of it she said, the tree with lights in it. Of a patient who had just had her bandages removed, her doctor wrote, the first things to attract her attention were her own hands. She looked at them very closely, moved them repeatedly to and fro, bent and stretched the fingers, and seemed greatly astonished at the sight. One girl eager, was eager to tell her blind friend that men do not really look like trees at all. And she was astounded to discover that her every visitor had an utterly different face. One girl was so stunned by the world's brightness that she kept her eyes shut for two weeks. When the girl finally opened them again, she could only say over and over, Oh God, how beautiful. Oh God, how beautiful. But not everything was beautiful for these patients. The world turned out to be bigger and more complex than they expected. Unable to judge distances, they reached for things that were a mile away and then cracked their shins on furniture. Seeing themselves for the first time in the mirror made many of them unhappy and self-conscious they wouldn't go outside. The father of one young woman wrote her surgeon that his daughter had taken to shutting her eyes when she walked around the house and seemed happier pretending again to be blind. A 15-year-old boy demanded to be taken back to the local home for the blind. I can't stand it anymore, he said. If things don't change, I'll tear my eyes out. I say this to note that 
If physical sight is this heart-shaking, so must it be for spiritual sight. We can only imagine what it was like for Bartimaeus, who is engaging both here. Maybe, maybe he stood there blinking hard, rubbing out the last few blurry cobwebs, and, and maybe upon seeing Jesus said something like, Huh, I thought you would be taller. Jesus tells him to go, go, but it seems Bartimaeus' first act is disobedience. He does not go. You heard how the story went. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him, even as his eyes are still trying to get things to come into focus, he decides to follow Jesus, wherever that might lead. And this might sound predictable to those of us who have heard this story for the umpteenth time. Of course he followed Jesus. This is how Bible stories are supposed to go. It is a great story, one in which there is no ambivalence. Bartimaeus cries out, springs up, and speaks straight from the heart. His faith is impeccable. And as soon as Jesus says so out loud, his eyes are opened and he becomes a disciple, following Jesus on his way as if there is no other way he can really see. But it seems to me that this decision to follow Jesus is actually quite unexpected. Bartimaeus certainly had other options, not the least of which would have first been to visit his mother. I'm sure that's what she would have suggested. If we polled children who hear the story for the first time, we might actually hear some really good suggestions about what Bartimaeus should do. Go to the zoo, kick the soccer ball around, have a movie night with your family. And these seem to me quite serious theological responses. But, but if the adults in the room answered, we might tell him that it's time to think about catching up. Maybe start with a course at the Votech. We might remind him that he's way behind in the rat race. The country club is calling. You can probably afford the dues if you write a book about this experience. Better get on with it. But follow Jesus. This is not likely our first suggestion. Um, I'm guessing not all of us jumped up and ran to church this morning as Bartimaeus to Jesus, although to be fair, we are here, and we are here with some kind of expectation, a sense of need for light. We are here because this is where we find other people who, knowing their blindness, wish to see. We are certainly like Bartimaeus in that we get to choose the ending Immediately, he regained his sight and followed him, which begs the question, will we decide to follow Jesus? It, it sounds, I know, like the beginning of the last hour at a Billy Graham revival. But it is a serious question, and our answer matters. Will we follow Jesus? I am not speaking of personal salvation, although that usually happens in the process of following Jesus. Jesus himself never said a word about getting one's self 
to heaven. His primary concern was bringing heaven here. Hence, Christianity cannot be personally salvific if it is not first socially redemptive. So we have some decisions to make. There is a caravan of people willing to walk hundreds and hundreds of miles to knock on our front door and ask for refuge. They are on their way here in part because the United States supported a coup in Honduras, which has direct implications for the violence and destitution these people are fleeing. The current administration has floated plans to ban entry and deny them asylum. Some would have us wrap ourselves in the flag, declare America first, and send in troops. But Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to the one of the least of these, you did it to me. Will we follow Jesus? Our government threatens to deprive transgender, intersex, and non-binary Americans from their inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's a memo being circulated asking the Department of Health to define gender as either male or female, unalterable throughout a person's life. It is an effort to erase the existence of transgender, intersex, and non-binary people, which has, at the very least, already traumatized these people and their families. But Jesus, whose love challenged outdated cleanliness laws that left some worthy of God's love and others unworthy, said, love your neighbor as yourself. Will we follow him? The rhetoric of the most powerful drips with violence. Donald Trump cracked jokes about assaulting reporters while covering for the brutal murder of a US-based journalist by a foreign government. It inspired a man, one who no one is surprised to learn has a history of domestic violence, to send bombs through the mail. The message has been clear. Violence is how you deal with people who disagree with you. But Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Will we follow Jesus? After yesterday's shooting at Tree of Life Synagogue, the president made calls for armed security at houses of worship. More guns will solve it. It's an easy answer, but one that isn't true. The high school students who survived the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida have been telling us so. Is a church still a church, a sanctuary, still a sanctuary, if it doesn't look any different than the bank down the street with their armed guards. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Will we follow him? To be sure, it will put us on the road to Jerusalem where trials await along with a cross it is also the only way to resurrection. So I, I can think of no better response to the stories in the newspapers and the story of blind Bartimaeus other than to say this. We have decided to follow Jesus. We have decided to follow Jesus. 
We have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Not all come with us, but still we been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Waukee, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.